Today is April 5th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide as we read together through the Old and the New Testaments. We are still in the book of Deuteronomy as we make our way through the Old Testament. The Lord is reminding His covenant people, the new generation of Israel, of the holy law, the blessings incurred by obedience and the curses incurred by disobedience. And we have seen as we've been reading the Bible that the human race is under a curse through its disobedience, beginning with the disobedience of Adam. Through the disobedience of someone outside of ourselves, that is Adam, the federal head of the human race, sin and death came into the world. However, the good news is that, again, through someone outside of ourselves, through the obedience of another, Jesus of Nazareth, who came to be the federal head of a new race of humanity, a blessing is commanded, even the blessing of eternal life. So we are so grateful for the perfect obedience of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was obedient even unto death, his death on the cross, where he became a curse for us, taking the wrath of God on our behalf so that we could be delivered and made right with God. We hold to and submit to his word, owning Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It will not be long before we read about a sad period in the history of Israel after they settle into the promised land, when the judges rule and everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. How like the world we live in today. So let's pick right up where we left off, digging into Deuteronomy chapter 28, where we read of the blessings for obedience. Once again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Deuteronomy chapter 28. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Those were the blessings for obedience. Now for the curses for disobedience. Verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, 
or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do, until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them, and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for all birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, and with tumors and scabs and itch, of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday, as the blind grope in darkness and you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey shall be seized before your face, but shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, but there shall be no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and all of your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils of which you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. And you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the field, and shall gather in little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. And you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity." The cricket shall possess all your trees and the fruit of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you, till you are destroyed, 
because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes that He commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It also shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds or the young of your flock, until they have caused you to perish. They shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls, in which you trusted, come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you in all your towns throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and in the distress with which your enemies shall distress you. The man who is the most tender and refined among you will begrudge food to his brother, to the wife he embraces, and to the last of the children whom he has left, so that he will not give to any of them any of the flesh of his children whom he is eating because he has nothing else left, in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in all your towns. The most tender and refined woman among you, who you would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because she is so delicate and tender, will be grudged to the husband she embraces, to her son and to her daughter, her afterbirth that comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, because lacking everything she will eat them secretly in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in your towns. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sicknesses grievous and lasting. And He will bring upon you again all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, you shall be left few in number, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations you shall find no respite, for there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. For the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, If only it were evening, and at evening you shall say, If only it were morning, because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promised that you should never make again. 
and there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. So let's take a few moments to recap and get an overview. We started with the blessings that were to be given at Mount Gerizim. Once the children of Israel had entered the promised land, they were to build a monument with a law written upon it and an altar. The righteous demands given by God were written on the monument of stone. The righteous demands fulfilled were pictured by an altar of grace. There at the altar, offerings were made that would speak of a perfect priest and a perfect sacrifice, satisfying God's perfect demands with perfect obedience. Whereas the law came by Moses in John 1.17, grace and truth would come by Jesus Christ. The law promised the rewards of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. After the monument and altar to the law and grace were built, God's people were to affirm that they accepted the responsibility of their covenant with God by hearing the curses upon disobedience proclaimed from the top of Mount Ebal and the blessings upon obedience proclaimed from Mount Gerizim. Once heard, the people were to accept their accountability by shouting back in response, Amen, meaning, so be it. In the New Testament, we learn that the good news is that every promise finds its Amen in Jesus. He is not only the lawgiver, he is now the lawkeeper in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, for he perfectly obeyed the law on our behalf. We now find ourselves blessed in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Jesus is the one who accepted the responsibility for holy obedience to God's law and fulfills it on our behalf. As we walk in the obedience of faith, we can look forward to being blessed in Christ. The promised rewards of obedience include these blessings. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. We are blessed in our new position. Verse 3, the land, the towns, the country. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are being blessed with family and fruitfulness. In verse 4, we can relate this to the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called the children of God? And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're not only blessed with a new position in Christ, blessed with family and fruitfulness, but we are also blessed with practical provisions in verse 5 and verse 6 of Deuteronomy 28. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
In Romans 8, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Not only were they blessed with practical provisions, but we learn in verse 7 that they're blessed with victory. And we see this in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The, upon the obedient, there's the blessing with the holy testimony in verse 9. And Jesus said in the New Testament in John thirteen thirty-five, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Another reward for obedience is being blessed as the head and not the tail in verse 13. Again, the New Testament fulfillment there is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now notice that the promised results of disobedience are the opposite of the blessings given for obedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 to 68, the effect of the withheld blessings of God is a curse. Living without God's words or true promises brings confusion and disillusionment. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 20, what a tragedy it is to have a clear word from God and not obey it. We should take note that the blessings of God were withdrawn when His people failed to offer Him joyful service. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst in nakedness and in the lack of all things, and He will put an iron yoke on your neck until He has destroyed you. The descriptions of the curses upon disobedience are more detailed than those of the blessings. God wanted His people to know that when these promised tragedies struck, that they would recognize His hand. Their bodies, families, fields, flocks, and herds would be adversely affected by their disobedience. Sadly, the promised results of the disobedience of Israel read like a prophecy, as they will be accurately fulfilled at different times in their history. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 67, Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone, which you or your fathers have not known. We see this prediction first fulfilled when the northern kingdom was defeated by the Assyrians and taken into captivity in 722 B.C. We read about this in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and carried Israel away into exile into Assyria and settled them in Hala and Habor on the river of Gazan in the cities of the Medes. The southern kingdom of Judah was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and taken into the Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C. We read about this in 2 Kings chapter 24, beginning with verse 14. Then he led away into exile all Jerusalem and all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. So he led Jehoiakim away into exile to Babylon, also the king's mother and the king's wives and his officials and the leading men of the land. He led away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. A sizable Jewish community remained in Babylon down to medieval times. The Jews spread voluntarily and as refugees, settling also in Egypt and elsewhere, 
We read about that in Jeremiah chapter 43, verse 7. Philo records that about one million Jews settled in Egypt in the first century A.D. Jews disperse into at least 71 cities in Asia Minor, and there were large colonies in Syria. In 139 B.C., the Jews were expelled from Rome. Another expulsion is referenced in Acts chapter 18, verse 2. Many Jews fled their homeland in 70 A.D. when Jerusalem was destroyed by Titus and Vespasian of Rome. The dispersal of the Jews to other countries is called the Diaspora. Dispersed Jewish believers are addressed in both the epistles of James and 1 Peter. We also see how Jewish believers were scattered from Jerusalem throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 1. Now let's go to our New Testament reading in the Gospel of Luke, starting with chapter 11, verse 14, and we'll read through to verse 36. Luke 11, verse 14. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. And as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation." The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light.
This concludes our reading from the New Testament Gospel of Luke. When Jesus cast a demon out from a man who was dumb, some in the crowd, including the Pharisees, accused him of casting out demons by the power of the prince of demons. Jesus answered that his particular work was in opposition to the kingdom of Satan. His purposes were contrary to the purposes of the evil one. Jesus then said, And if I, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, or Satan himself, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There are at least two interpretations of this statement based on the understanding of Jesus saying, By whom do your sons cast them out? We learn from Jesus that there were those who would cast out demons who would not be rightly related to him and not regenerate. In Matthew 7, verse 21, we read, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's clear that these people were never obedient to the command of God to repent of their sin and cast themselves upon Jesus, owning him as Lord and Savior. We do not read of exorcisms in the Old Testament, but we do read of demonic activity, impersonating spirits, and those involved in the occult. In this case, Jesus would be accusing them of playing into the devil's hands with their assumed exorcisms. Jesus made it clear that it was only by the finger of God that demons would be effectively commanded. The second interpretation is that Jesus' statement, By whom do your sons cast them out? was a rhetorical question given to highlight that they don't cast them out or have any power over the evil one. Both interpretations turned the accusation back on the Pharisees. They did not recognize the finger of God, the kingdom of God, the authority of God, nor were they doing the work of God. They had no real power over the devil. Either they could not cast out demons, or if they did, they were still playing into the devil's hands because they did not have the authority of the kingdom of God, which had arrived in Jesus. Jesus gives reference to ineffective deliverances from demons if the person being delivered does not become subject to the kingdom of God themselves. In Luke 11, verse 24, we read, When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. In Luke chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus makes it known that he represents the one who is stronger than the strong man, Satan. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, sin and death. Death is a consequence of sin. It is separation from God. The human race has been held captive to the kingdom of darkness since the fall, and Jesus has come to bring deliverance. Jesus further illustrates that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are involved in an ongoing conflict. There is no neutrality. To think that you have taken your side with God, as the Pharisees had, yet not to be working in full cooperation with Jesus, is to be an opponent of God. In Luke 11.23, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. It is alarming to see how many people, religious or not, can think they are serving God, and yet they do not align themselves with God by identifying with Christ and owning Him as their Lord and Savior. 
They do not gather with Christ. As a result, they scatter. Jesus spoke about this again in the upper room with his disciples. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. John chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Saul of Tarsus is a good example of this. He thought he was doing God a favor by opposing the followers of Jesus. When Paul gives his testimony in Acts chapter 26, verse 9, he says, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Jesus dealt with any attempt made towards false worship. When a woman called out, offering veneration to Jesus' mother Mary, Jesus soundly redirected the woman's misplaced affection and devotion. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. As Jesus' ministry progressed, more people demanded miraculous signs. As the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. In Luke 11:29, Jesus said that what happened to Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites authenticating that he was sent by God. In a similar way, the sign of Jesus being swallowed up in death and rising on the third day would authenticate his claim to be the Son of Man, the Messiah sent by God. In Luke 11, verse 30. Again, Jesus affirms that the Old Testament testifies of him. He is the greater Solomon, in verse 31. He is the greater Jonah, in verse 32. Their stories are meant to point to a greater kingdom and a deeper repentance. Jesus provokes us to examine whether our spiritual eyes are healthy. We need to be sure that we are not blinded by an angel of light, bringing the false light of deception. To think that you have the light when you are in darkness is to be in the greater darkness of deception. The Pharisees thought that they had the light of God's word and failed to see that by rejecting the light of the world, they were actually living in darkness. And now we turn to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms. And today, reading Psalm 77 will be Peter Healy. Psalm 77 from the English Standard Version, beginning with verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years of long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal this to the years of the right hand of the Most High. 
I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprint was unseen. You led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's take a moment to reflect upon this psalm. What turns this psalm from a dirge into a psalm of praise? What causes its melody to go from a minor key to a major key? Have you agonized and had sleepless nights of prayer, as we read about in verses 1 to 3, or nights when you could not sleep and could not pray, in verse 4? Instead of moving forward in hope, your thoughts retreat on a sentimental journey to the good old days. Verses 7 to 10 sound like they are coming from John Bunyan's Dungeon of Despair and Castle Doubting in the book The Pilgrim's Progress. But everything turns on verse 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Instead of focusing on our present state of affairs and emotions, the psalmist remembers the deeds of the Lord, the good news of who he is and what he has done in his redeeming works. The song immediately changes key and picks up tempo. The psalmist looks back on the day the Lord opened up the way from death to life at the Red Sea. We in the New Testament look to the cross that opened up the way for us to go to heaven and heaven to come into our spirits through Christ's finished work of redemption. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs for our daily proverb. A proverb a day keeps foolishness away. Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This proverb exposes the lie that words will never hurt you. Indeed, words can hurt, but they can also heal. Choose your words carefully. Now let's conclude our time together by going before the Lord in prayer. Gracious God and Father, through the perfect obedience of your Son, you have won for us the covenant blessings. He who became a curse for us delivered us from the curse. In him we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the unseen realm of spiritual realities. We revel in the love you have lavished upon us, your children. We have been purchased by our Savior's blood, and we cleave to him who has made us fit for your kingdom. Our souls welcome the comfort of your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and cause our tongues to praise you and to speak healing words to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today as we've been reading through the Bible. We look forward to continuing our trek tomorrow. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Any comments, we want to encourage you in this daily habit of reading through God's word and getting an understanding of who God is and what he's done. We can be contacted by email at podcast at newlife.org. 
and you can get more information and also subscribe to a written copy of our daily meditation by going to our website, newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. God bless you.